to get right into the message that over the past four weeks, we have been believing and speaking into the year 2023. We've talked about awakening. We've talked about breakthrough. We've talked about proclaiming. We've talked about hope. Last week, we talked a little bit about praying hope-filled prayers and praising God that our hope is real and living in the hope that we have found in Christ. And uh, we've been talking about that this is the year of the Lord's favor. That's what we're believing. And we've read Isaiah chapter 61, which I want to read one more time as we close up the series today. Can you guys believe we've already pretty much marched through the month of January already? It's only 11 months till Christmas. I'm kidding. Come on, man. Come on. Messing around. Anyway, verse 1. It says this right here, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is about proclaiming Jesus in our year. This is about giving everything of who we are into the hands of Christ. It's about the anointing and the fulfillment in our lives. Isaiah 61 is, is believing it, proclaiming it, and seeing it fulfilled. But I want to talk today about the year of worship. The year of worship. Jeremiah 29, 13. I'm going to put the scripture up here for you, and I'm going to leave it up for a while. But it says that if you will seek me and find me, And when you seek me with all your heart, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You know, today in God's house, I just want to be transparent with you. I really do. I I want to talk about our worship. And I'm here with a heart that is content on seeking him completely. And I believe that you are too. If you're here today, if you're here this morning, no matter what you've brought in, I believe that you are seeking the Lord and and that you're wanting something and believing something from him. When I was young, um, I would say my earliest uh, memories of, I went to a church called Southwest Assembly of God in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, My memories start somewhere around age five of the church. Uh, Maybe there are some earlier, but not much, until I was 17. And I wish I could tell you that the entire time that we attended that church, that I was a strong believer. I wish I could tell you that, but I wasn't. But I do know this, is that my teeth were cut on the back of pews. Um, I, I think I remember our pews at first didn't have cushions. And then we upgraded, you guys. We got pews with cushions, you know what I'm saying? And so there were some big things that took place. But all my faith beginnings were fashioned in this church, hearing the word, having fellowship with believers, having friends that believed like I I did, you know, doing life together. But probably the most important thing was, was that's where I experienced worship. Worship got into my life, into my heart. And worship then was primarily hymnals. I mean, that's what it was. That's what we had. Maybe you'd find books that said psalteries on it, or, or you would go into another room where, where the Christ ambassadors met. That's what they used to call the kind of the young people that time, and they would have their own little songbooks. But guys, there were no vineyard releases yet. There was no integrity music. There was no Kirk Franklin or Fred Hammond yet. Brooklyn Tabernacle hadn't released their music to choirs and churches around the world 30 years before Hillsong, Bethel, and Passion. But I look back on my early worship experiences, and I see value. I can remember my Sunday school teacher, you know, I was just thinking about this, that the very first time I ever heard the word mercy seat, 
was a, my Sunday school teacher using the good old tried and true flannel board. How many of y'all remember flannel boards? I mean, my goodness, you could throw Jesus and some animals and trees on that thing, and it would just stick. And, and boy, as a kid, you'd pull your seat right up. You couldn't wait to see what the teacher was going to put on the flannel board. But he was talking about the mercy seat. And he was describing the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament mercy seat. In the Old Testament, the mercy seat was that plate that was on top of the Ark of the Covenant where the cherubims were on both sides, and, and that's where God promised that he would meet them, where blood would be uh, sprinkled, and, and, that, and he would say, I will be there. But in the New Testament, we, we come to know from the writers that Jesus now is our mercy seat. Can I get an amen? Look at this in Romans 3.25, that God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. Now, I could ask you, you know, what, what do you believe that mercy is? And we might come up with all kinds of different definitions. So let me just give you this one, that mercy means we don't get what we deserve. When Sam and, my, Sam and I, my brother, were little, you know, um, there was a phrase we never wanted to hear come out of our dad's mouth, and that was, boys, you're going to get it when we get home. Okay? Now, guys, this would happen whether we were at church, um, if we were at a mall, or if we were in a restaurant and we acted up and we missed all of the warnings, he would just finally go, boys, you're going to get it when you get home. So then what happens is, is on the car ride home, I'm trying to decide how many pairs of underwear and jeans am I going to put on so that I don't feel the whooping. You know what I'm saying when I get home? But let me tell you something. There would be these times, though, <clears throat> we would get home, and my dad would take us into the room, <clears throat> and he would talk to us. He would talk to us about what we had done, and, and for some reason, he would show us mercy. We didn't get what we deserved. Now, I wish that my dad, I could tell you that my dad always held back the hand of justice, <laughs> but that's not it. But there would be these times that he would show us mercy. Jesus has become, Jesus, he is our mercy seat. His blood was shed once so that mercy and grace would always, everybody say always, that it would always flow in our lives. That mercy seat is no longer a place of blood and sacrifice made by human hands. The mercy seat is Jesus. And my Sunday school teacher was telling me as a young kid, six, seven years old, he's saying that I, Matt Stewart, this young kid could approach Jesus, the mercy seat, and I could worship him. When I first came to the Lord, one of the things that I loved was my time of worship. I hungered for it. You know, I needed it. It literally would reset and restart my, my week. And being in his presence, being able to uh, approach Jesus and surrendering to him. I love Jesus. I love the mercy seat. And as, as a new believer, I would use it often. But it was when I realized that here's the thing is, you guys, that you have to understand. Because back in church in the 70s and 80s, when I came up, really worship was all you ever did. It was on Sunday. Worship was Sunday. You didn't, we just didn't worship during the week. It was Sunday. That's what it was reserved for. But when I realized when I really gave my heart to the Lord and I realized what he was doing, I realized that I could go to the mercy seat in my bedroom. That I could, be, I could be in my car driving somewhere and I could go to the mercy seat. That in my own home, that Jesus would meet me there. That wherever I was, there was a place for me to be alone with Christ. 
And I believe this, and I experienced it in my own life, that at the mercy seat, that when I approach or spend time with Jesus, I know things are going to happen. I found relationship there. I have been healed at the mercy seat. I have been corrected. How many of you guys love to be corrected, you know? And God does this. I have been called and forever changed. At the mercy seat, I have wrestled. We're going to talk a little bit about this, that God is more than we could ever imagine. He is more than we could ever think. Like even now, if I was to ask you, who is God? If we had the time with, with, uh, with uh, close to a couple hundred people in this room right now, we would have so many different ways that we see God and who God is. But no matter what answer we give, and they're all correct, he's more than that. <laughs> in my heart, I want you to hear that. And no matter how you see God or how you feel about him, he's more than that. Amen? William, why don't you take us into a song? Let's worship together, you guys. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails. In all my days, I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. In all my life, you have been faithful. In all my life, you have been so. So good with every breath that I can make. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Hallelujah. Can everybody say amen? You know, I love the, the idea actually the reality of wrestling with God because it's so important for us to understand the benefit, the intimacy, the relationship that is formed and deepened through it. Sometimes when I'm wrestling with the Lord, it's, it's him using his words and my words going right back at him. It's, it's, a, it's a conversation that is taking place. Sometimes it's my questions and then waiting, having to wait on his answer. Sometimes I don't agree with the timeline or the method that God has chosen to use. Sometimes in wrestling it out with God, I get a good old spiritual slap that I needed to wake me up to remember who I am and who God is, that I'm not God, that sometimes we forget this and, and that I need him through the good and the bad. I don't know if you guys remember this um, Christian artist. He wrote uh, quite a few worship songs by the name of Rich Mullins. 
This guy wrote probably the, the anthem of, of uh, praise and worship around the world, and it was Awesome God. And he died tragically in the early 2000s, but I remember reading an article uh, a long time ago. It had been in the 90s or so in CCM. And uh, he, he was talking about having to wrestle with God, some of the struggles he's had in life, and even during the time he was writing worship. And, but here's what he wrote. He said it this way, and it's going to come up. Speaking of God, he will bloody your nose and then give you a ride home on his bicycle. I had a buddy by the name of Dale I've talked about. He was the toughest kid in school, but somehow he ended up being my bodyguard through junior high and high school. And uh, because of his relationship with his stepfather, he, he had to be tough. It was, it was unreal. And, and uh, everybody wanted to fight him, but every time they did, they lost. And he was my friend, you know what I mean? And we played seven years of soccer together, and he was an incredible goalie. And I, I remember that our coach would put him in the goal, and when we would scrimmage, that I would be on the team that would be trying to score on him, and it would just make Dell and I better. And I remember this day they had sent the ball through, and I was going up to, to try to score, and Dell slid under my feet and took the ball, and I went flying over him, almost rolled into the goal. And I got up, and all I was seeing was red, and I'm flailing and going at him, and the next thing I know, I'm on my back, and he's looking over me. And, and he picks me up and then pushes me away. And then, guys, when the red left my eyes, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Do you want to die, Matt? You know, like, settle down. And I'm out there, and I'm trying to settle down. And about three minutes later, I hear somebody go, Matt. And, guys, just hear my heart on this. He says my name. And I turn around, and he's got his hand out like this, and he's walking toward me. And I walk out to him, and we slap hands and what had happened was, was that I heard my name called and Dale was inviting me back into relationship with him. And how many times has God done that? Even after we wrestle, even when we say things that we don't mean, we're in conversation and we're still trying to wrestle through things like, why God did this happen? Why did it have to happen? I, I have it right here in my journal. I literally wrote this. I yelled at God tonight. And I'm so sorry. In my underwear, on the front porch at 2 a.m. in the morning, I yelled at God and I wrote, and I'm sorry. There are things that we will go through sometimes that we don't understand how God is doing it, but he invites us to wrestle it out with him. God is a God who invites us to wrestle. Jesus is the one who wants us, when it's, whether it's our worst or it's our best. We are invited to the table. You know what's interesting about the scripture about that he prepares a table before our enemies? It doesn't say that we had to wash up or get cleaned up before we come to the table. He will do that even when it's in our worst and in our best. I love this because it's an intimate picture. Listen to when I say this, intimacy is not always the easy or the beautiful things. I think about like when Lori and I go out on a date and she's sitting in her passenger seat, she looks over at me and, and I, I've got on my Niners jersey, my hair's done right, my clothes on and she's like, that's my man. I'm kidding, I, she wouldn't let me wear a Niners jersey so yeah, on, the, on a date night, so. <laughs> but she looks at me, she goes, that's my man. And then literally three hours later, she can look over at me at home and I'm in my chair and I've got chips on my face and on my shirt. I've got three different articles of clothing that don't match. And she's like, ooh. <laughs> but, but it's not always the easy and the beautiful. 
Wrestling is not always for fun. How many family picnics have we been at or just at the house and people start wrestling and it starts out for fun, but it doesn't end up that way because somebody gets hurt. Somebody gets their feelings hurt. It just, it goes the wrong way. And I think about the story that we find in, with Jacob, the most famous of wrestling stories outside of the Bible or anywhere. It's the story of Jacob. And in chapter 32, Jacob is about to go meet Esau, who he stole the birthright from. Jacob has, he's fearing his life because all Esau wants to do is kill. It's done. He's just seeing, it's, 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 he wants to shed blood. So he sends out his family, he sends his flocks, he sends his kids, he sends them all out in front of him because he's afraid and he stays back. And here we are in verse 24. So Jacob was left alone and a man, God, wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And a lot of scholars believe the man was actually Jesus himself. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. In the CEV, it says, I have seen God face to face, and I'm still alive. In verse 32 and 31, it says that the sun arose above Jacob, and he passed Peniel and his limping, and he was limping because of his hip. Did you know a lot of people for the rest of their lives, they, they, they recognized Jacob's limp because they knew he had been with God. When we wrestle with God, there will be some times where there will be collisions. There will be a tearing away of things that it's painful. I don't know if that's ever happened with you in, a, in, a, in something that God is walking you through that he says, you've got to tear this away. You've got to let this go. And it's going to be painful, but to move on, to go into what I'm calling into, you into, it has to be torn away. Sometimes it's quick and sometimes it's permanent shiftings. Sometimes it's correction. Listen, constructive criticism is one of the hardest things to take. But in his whole, through his Holy Spirit, God does this through us. And the blessing actually might feel like you're being wounded. It might hurt. It might leave you with a spiritual limp. Because God is exposing and bringing the blessing from a place of vulnerability. I want to approach God. Willing to show and share my emotions. I, I want to allow God to work on my weaknesses. I need his support. I need his strength. It might hurt a little. There might be unwanted changes, but I'm choosing to trust the one who I am approaching. I want to know. I want to know who I am. I want to know who God wants me to be. And I am desiring to be. I'm proclaiming that something good. Church, I am proclaiming that in every person's lives in this room tonight, today, that something good is going to happen in your life, that something different is going to rise up for Jesus this year, this year from your life. You see, the name Jacob meant that he who grasps the hill, deceiver, manipulator, the one who pursues earthly blessing, but when he wrestled with God, something changed. Something had shifted. Jacob recognized the opportunity and he wasn't going to let go. What an amazing picture to approach God and to not let go. Keep pursuing. Keep calling out. 
Keep holding on when others tell you, just tap out. And God says to Jacob, your name is not Jacob anymore. Your name is Israel. Because, everybody say because. Because. Because why? Because he prevailed. Because he wouldn't let go. Why is there so much favor in your life? Somebody's going to ask, why is there so much blessing? How did you get through that season of your life? It's because you kept going to God no matter the situation. It's because of God. I chose to worship him. I chose to go to the mercy seat over and over. I chose to wrestle it out with God. It's because Jesus isn't through with us yet. I love that Jacob went from the hunted outcast to the father of the nation of whom Jesus came from. Let's worship together. Amen. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you into your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. So make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I can't Oh, you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Because where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom, and the kingdom is here. I lay down my own flesh. Before God is given control, you know, sometimes we have these ideas and these plans about what progress means or what progress looks like. And in the chapter before Jacob wrestles God, I don't know if you guys know this, but in chapter 31, he's sending gifts to Esau. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to appease, he's trying to bring peace, he's trying to avoid conflict. And sometimes that's what we'll do in our own lives. I just want to make it through this year. God, if you can just get me through this year with no conflict or no changes, like there's some that they, they won't even make resolutions because they don't want to be disappointed or they don't want to be a disappointment. 
They don't want any stretching. They just hope everything pans out. Somehow I will get to where I need to go. But God says this, and everybody listen to this and receive this. Get alone with me and let's wrestle this out. Get alone with me. Let's spend, some, let's spend some time together. Come be with me, Jesus says, and sit at the mercy seat. Be in my presence and you will find out who you really are. And when I think of worship, this is where my heart goes. I think about this. Think about this, that Jacob went from scheming and manipulation to walking in his true identity. And I know that's what I want for my life in 2023. I truly do. I know that that's what I've been praying for you. Here's a picture, you guys. I don't know if you guys remember this. In Christmas, we, there's close to 300 ornaments that were put on the trees, and I covered up the writings just for privacy. But I had Ken bring those to me, and I put them on my desk. And for the entire first week during the fast, I prayed over these. And guys, there was some, there, all the requests were amazing. But it's what everybody was believing for, what they were giving God their best going into this new year. And I've been believing this for you. I want to dream big. I want to have vision for my life. I want to be who he says that I am. I want to move. I want to live. I want to be, uh, be shaken by him. I want my identity be, to be found in Christ. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. I don't want to be, I'm just speaking for me. I don't want to be Matt Stewart of 2022. I want God to do something new in me. And I, and I know that he can. In some of the seasons that I have had to wrestle with God, he has given me insight. He's given me hints to, what, to where he is and where he is going. And sometimes, God, sometimes God will give me a plan or something. My, and I'm like, yes. You know, have you ever said, yay, God? Or let's go. But then there's most of the time when God says something, I'm like, oh, heck no. God, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm, I'm not capable of doing what you're asking me. Back in 2018, I was pastoring a church called 3 in 1 Church out in Harborview, Suffolk. And um, we had started a, a Daniel fast at our church, and I was doing a 90-day. And so I, I had just got going, and I was probably in week two of the fast. And God says to me, he says, your season is ending at 3 and 1 this year. And I, I guys, I'm going to tell you something. I was doing kind of like with Dale. I was flailing arms. I was pushing back. I was, I was getting all upset about this. And, and being completely honest with you, I just couldn't understand and believe what God was asking me to do. I was saying things like this, like, God, you cannot be asking me to leave what you asked me to plant. I was not giving him fruit of obedience. Is everybody hearing me? I'm not, I'm not giving this to him. This cannot be what you're asking me to do. Then I'm asking, why? Why me? Why now? What did I do? I'm, I, now I'm scared. I'm, I go through periods of that I'm sad and I'm pushing back. And God just kept calling me near to wrestle it out with him. And I remember that as I was fasting, and I'll never forget this, it was the final of going from February into March on the fast, that something, I finally noticed something, that my worship had become unbelievably sweet. And I'm not just talking about song. I'm talking about I could feel it in my life that, that the way that I was in front of people the way that I was serving people, the, 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 in my messages, it was just in my life. I could tell my worship had become sweet. You guys, look at this thought here. The more we release to God, the more we realize who he is. Amen. 
You become aware your worship is affecting your circumstance and there is this awakening. And through my sitting at his feet and through my fruit of obedience, I began to realize that God had a plan that I couldn't have planned on my own. Here's the harsh reality of the wrestling it out with God. I want you to hear this, is that I didn't get to be the one to continue to farm and harvest what God had started at 3-in-1 Church. It wasn't mine to begin with. Today, it's called Relate Church. It's all the way out in deep Suffolk, and it's still going great. But guys, here is the beauty. But in his plan, he led me to a new beginning. He actually led me to a church called Harvest. Come on. Give me an amen on that. And we are already seeing salvations. We're seeing callings. We're seeing healings and baptisms. Come on, we had a baptism in the middle of service last week. And God's doing this. Children coming to Jesus. Youth being set on fire for God. And where I believe that the harvesting is already begun. If we would have tried, if I would, I'm sorry, would have tried to live off my emotions, I would have missed what God was trying to do. If I would have allowed myself to be filled with hurt and pity, I would have completely derailed what God had started in my life. God brought me to a place to break new ground, not just so that we could have new buildings, but to break ground to see revival, that this would be a place of true worship. Give me an amen on that. Breaking ground for people to be set free by the power of Jesus. I want to proclaim something. We've talked about this being a year of declaring, so I want to say this out loud. I am believing for an army. I am believing for lions to rise up for what God is doing in these buildings and what he is doing in the lives of his people. There might be just a few hundred of us in this room today, right now, but I want you to listen and think about this. On the other side, though, of our freedom and what God is going to do, we just heard this testimony of how powerful the invite is, that what we do because of our freedom through our breakthrough there are hundreds, if not thousands, who will also be set free because they chose to worship anyway. Because you chose to wrestle it out with God. Because you told the devil to be quiet and went to the mercy seat. You see, the devil wanted my mind, he wanted my heart, and he wanted to silence my worship. When the devil quenches our ability and our want to, he silences our worship. He's not just trying to destroy you. Listen. We have to understand the devil's not just after us. He's after our lineage. He's after our children. He's after our friends. Satan wants your friends. But this year, in the name of Jesus, I declare we take it back. In the name of Jesus, I declare that we take it back. I proclaim that something begins to shift in your life and in my life. I believe this message is for all, for the whole church, for Harvest VA. Are you willing? Are you willing to wrestle with God no matter the cost? Are you willing to trust God? Are you willing to allow yourself to truly worship Him? Next level worship. Not just song, but serving, reading his word, and sitting at his feet. Worshiping even when it's painful, where there's stretching and correction and changes being made so that we can be useful, so that we can offer the fruit of obedience. Someone, somebody will come to know Jesus. I don't want to go to sleep another night and wake up unchanged. I want my worship to change. That 2023 is going to be a year with God, so I'm expecting my life to change. I'm going into this year with a mindset that I, I will worship, I will wrestle with God until daybreak, 
to find out who I really am in Jesus, not who my mother says I am, not who Instagram encourages me to be, not what the latest and greatest life coach is teaching you to be. Let's wake up to who we really are. We are the children of the Most High. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation to proclaim the goodness of God. We are called out. What are we called out of? Out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is what I know is that Jesus is King. This is what I know that Jesus is King. Not my depression, not my failures, not my money, not my accomplishments. I will today and I will forever worship the one true risen King. And his name is Jesus. Come on, let's give him a hand of praise. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, man, our youth did an amazing job. Let's give them a hand. Come on, let's uh, wor- praise him. Praise God. Now, I kind of did my message a little different. I've never actually really never preached this way where I give my three points right in a row now promise you it'll take 10 seconds here but what we've talked about today is this and this is what I want to encourage you keep going to the mercy seat keep going realize you don't have to wait till Sunday to do this you can do this in your car you can do this in the shower you can do what but to go to Jesus and spend that time with him secondly there is blessing in the wrestling some of us need to get with God and get a spiritual limp Hear what I'm saying? Something that when people see us, they know we've been in the presence of God. And then lastly, make the declaration that 2023 will be a year of worship. No matter what, I'm declaring that I will worship in spirit and truth. That God doesn't only want this for us, but he has been looking for those who will worship him. John 4, 23, 24, let's read it. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's put the scripture back up on Jeremiah. And that's going to stay up as they worship. I am praying. I am praying that every person that came here this morning is going to have an encounter with God. And I truly believe, I, I really am asking this, I, I, that today everyone would come and find him. I, I know that the mercy seat can be exactly where you're sitting, but, but I love it when we come down in corporate prayer or when we come down to seek the Lord because I believe that Jesus meets us here, but we also get a chance to pray with one another. We get to meet each other and go with our knees together. That you would hold on for dear life while his spirit whirls within your heart expecting great things looking for something good to happen. Some of you need clarity. Some of you need vision. Some of you need purpose. A lot of us maybe in this room need deliverance from something or you just need a new beginning. But as the worship team begins to sing, I, I, my heart has been poured out to you. My heart has been given to you and, and what God is saying. And I just pray that if you are here and you need something. If you are here and you want to experience a new level of worship this year, I want to invite you to come down and we're going to pray together. No matter what you bring, God is going to meet you here and he's ready to wrestle it out with you. So let's move as they sing. God bless you guys.